Smod Pods continue to pack live shows in 2015. Don't miss Kevin Ralph for Hollywood Babylon at the Hollywood Improv every Friday. Kevin Andy makes minds mighty with edumacation at the Ice House in Pasadena on January 31st. Looking ahead to February, Jason Muse hits Wizard World Madison Comic Con February 6th through 8th. Ice House in Pasadena hosts Jay and Silent Bob Get Old on the 28th. Kev goes solo at the Tempe Improv on March 14th, followed with Jay and Bob Get Old. Why Bry heads to Florida in April. Fort Lauderdale Improv on April 17th, Palm Beach Improv on the 18th, and Orlando Improv on the 19th. Kev does an evening with in Fort Lauderdale as well on the 17th, and then West Palm Beach on the 18th. Cough up a little cash to see your favorite purveyors of free funny on Sir as they hit the road, coming soon to a con or comedy club near you. Tickets for these and all Smodco shows are at csmod.com. Geek News Reviews Commentary Not just another podcast On the Ordinary Paintball Podcast Insert random joke here Now here comes your host Kyle Baird Of the World Steve Welcome to the Big Ball Broadcast Episode 5 This is Kyle Abert I'm an anime voice actor Here on the West Coast And your co-host On the East Coast Of the World Steve I'm a musician And amateur historian now, normally we sit here and talk about things we find on the interwebs and, and uh, social media, pop culture, talk about all that geeky stuff. And, and we are going to talk about that to a degree. But this week, we've got a special guest. He's actually a fellow voice actor that I worked on for years on the anime show Dragon Ball Z, Mr. Sean Schemmel. Oh, hi. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Excellent, excellent. Thanks so much for taking time, especially last minute. You know, it's the holidays, everyone's just going every which way, and I go, hey, oh crap, we gotta get, we gotta get Sean on, and let, let's do this. And luckily you were available at the time we, we, uh, oh, that's cool. we pitched. It's, it's, so, um, no, it's cool. It's, uh, it's cool. I was gonna add to Steve's resume, um, who, who's your, your voice is so unique. I'm so fascinated. By the way, this is something we can talk about. Kyle and I were talking about this in another interview. I'm so fascinated by people with unique voices. And Steve, I, I wish I was still directing because uh, I would totally cast you as um, uh, if you could uh, do a, 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 a kind of an effeminate accent. Um, who's the guy that's uh, really famous? Is that, I just want to be loved. Is that so wrong? Oh, Harvey, uh, F- Harvey Firestein. Harvey Firestein. Yeah, yeah. I, would, I would cast you as like like if you could do like a more effeminate accent, like a Harvey Firestein or the bad guy. Like you got a great voice for like, okay, I'm going to rough you up. I don't even know how you do that. Like I'm trying to do your voice. Like I find, I hope you're not offended, but I find your voice fascinating. No, no, um, we, we talked about this a couple episodes back. I used to front a death metal band and I did so much damage to my vocal cords that this is what comes out now. Oh, wow. Wow, man. That you'd think that Kyle and I would sound that way after 15 years of screaming, but we, uh, I guess we weren't screaming hard enough. <laughs> all, all the all the power up yells and everything. Yeah, I know. It sounds like he gargles razor blades on a daily basis. But yeah. Now but it's just would, a, di- a steady diet of coffee and cigarettes. Oh, if I had like bad guy number B and I was living in New York, it's like, yeah, Steve, come in and be bad. It's perfect. It's like, hey, you guys, I'm gonna mess you up. I mean, I can't even. You know, it's it's fantastic. I I, love I am it. on the East Coast and I am within driving distance to New York. So if you want to put in a word for me with a director, uh, <laughs> I'll talk to Michael Center Nicholas. He's always looking for guys. With, with unique voices, um, <laughs> right? So, what'd you say? Would you say, Steve? The Venture Brothers. Oh, Venture Brothers. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if they're shoot, recording that at his studio anymore or not. But um, yeah, he's on that show. He does a bunch of stuff. I worked for him for three years as an ADR director. I learned a lot uh, at that studio, uh, directing and engineering, and and we can talk about all that stuff tonight. But let's get the juicy stuff going. Oh, the juicy stuff. Um, yeah, when we sat here and we went, me and Steve go back and forth on text during the week because we we both have very busy lives. It's like, okay, so we got Sean. What the hell are we going to talk about? And he said, well, uh, I got I got a couple ideas. So Steve, and you know, whatever, you know, sky's the limit. What do we want to talk to Sean about today? What I'd like to talk to Sean about tonight is um, this this flap, this kind of it's kind of a recent thing, I guess, with the anime industry, with fandom being very outspoken about who should be cast for certain roles, perhaps uh, recasting if the audience feels that that person shouldn't be the fit for that role. And to a certain extent, even uh, the response that some of the fan bases had about changing the endings to some certain shows that they don't necessarily agree with. Yeah, that's a that's a tricky one because, well, here's the thing: like changing the endings. I mean, now you're getting into an area that's like, uh, really, you go make your own show if you want a different ending. I mean, I guess my point is, is that, um, um, you know, we're you know we're in the entertainment industry and 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 we are entertainers and 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 the the huge part of that equation is the 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 end receiver and that is your fan base, and it's a fine line artist walk all the time between. 
and, and writers, especially if you're talking about changing the endings uh, to a show, you walk a fine line between, you know, am I going to write to play? And many artists struggle with this. Rock bands struggle with this all the time. Are they going to sell out and make their sellout record? Are they going to do what they really want? And you can even hear big time directors talk about, yeah, I'm going to make my billion dollar budget movie and I'm going to, you know, do the fan service. And then I'm going to do my pet, pet project, which is an indie film that's all, you know, nobody's going to buy, but it's my artistic, you know, my, my artistic, uh, bath that i'm going to take i'm going to you know do whatever the you know whatever for lack of a better phrase and so as far as you know writing in and changing endings and stuff like it particularly on an anime dub i i'm kind of shut the fuck up on that because i'm like you got a whole team of japanese uh writers and animators and and they're creating something you know i mean if you have enough people who are like in japan that are like we're not going to buy this anime because you know the japanese uh, you know i'm under the impression that the japanese creators are, are in general you know, trying to, you know, write shows that are, that they want to express and that they also want to, uh, they want to sell well in Japan. I don't know that they're worried about whether this dub guy who likes dubs likes the ending of his show or not. You know what I mean? So <laughs> on that end, as an artist, I mean, I, I, I'm down with, you know, with wanting to get a good response, but part of it, part of being an artist and part of being a good artist is, getting your audience out of your head and doing what you know and doing what you love. Because if that were the case, my Goku would be very different given the amount of shit I was giving when I first started the role. So, and I stuck to my guns and stuck to what I believe. And, and I trusted my directors and trusted my producers as much as I could. And then I made my own artistic choices and fought for them. And now in general, my work as Goku, at least that character is, is by and large, very well received with the, you know, the exception of a, couple of instances but i can't you know when people get hypercritical you know and they and they start criticizing or they get mean or abusive i throw that out immediately if they if they give me some deep you know critical review that actually has some deep insight on the one hand i really appreciate that but i never can take it in because i can't let the average person into my creative sandbox because there's already enough hands in it to begin with there's my hands in it there's the writer's hands in it the director's hands in it and i gotta i got other people i gotta please that are far above uh, well, I, I don't want to say far above, but far more pressing because really the, 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 the end result, the, 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 the consumer of the, of the product is the person you want to please. But the problem is you can't get a, okay, hey, five million people, which take did you like from this line? You just got to go with the creative powers that be and hopefully you do a good job and, and hopefully they like it. And if it fails, then you're, you're, you're out of a job or they don't buy it or you don't make money or you don't get rehired. And Kyle and I have been consistently hired and rehired on different projects for 15 years. So I think we're probably doing something right. <laughs> I'm know? hoping, you know, that, so yeah, that you got Funimation who, you know, you had some very, especially in those early days of Dragon Ball Z's popularity, you had a lot of haters, a lot of otaku oh, yeah. people that, that, oh, it's in English, so it's bad. So you automatically have to just take that into account. But it's like, oh, Funimation's evil, da 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 But the sales figures, the ratings said otherwise. It's like, uh, I think we're doing something right, guys. Yeah. We're, we're taking something and spreading it to the masses. It's not saying that you can't watch the original. You know, it, it, it becomes that thing where you say, oh, hey, so-and-so, George Lucas, Michael Bay, you, you, you raped my childhood or whatever. It's like, that's not really a fair statement to make it's more of a cliche thing nowadays it's like yeah. it's like saying your original versions that you saw suddenly are erased from existence that's not the case people that's can true. watch the original well that's what i tell myself when i do get irritated with george lucas i always say well i'll always have 1977 and i'll always have sitting in that theater when it came out and i saw it the first time and i nearly shit my pants um you know i'll always have that moment despite the fact that it has been you know fucked up since you know the re-releases so you know and, and and maybe george lucas is being real smart he's like yeah well you original guys like this well i got a whole bunch of other people who like this and i'm gonna go sell this and i'm gonna do that or whatever i don't know um you know i'm sure a lot of people cringing when you hear me say that uh right now but uh i actually i was just thinking uh during the midst of all this it reminded me of what steve was uh was addressing he was talking about i think when you brought it up there were two things we were going to talk about he was talking about when people get all, and I have a problem with this, and people get all vitriolic with me, and they're like, oh, Sean sucks, no, 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 and all like that. I'm like, you know, and we do this with our own president, and I think there was a great, uh, a great Canadian article about, you know, yeah, freedom of expression is one thing, and sure, we, you know, in America, we're all like, I get to say whatever the fuck I want, but there's something to be said for handling uh, your constructive criticism of your president or your constructive criticism of your favorite actor with some decor of of appreciation for what they are doing some validation of what they have done 
And if you really think it sucks, using the word sucks doesn't help anybody. Whereas you say, well, I didn't feel like, you know, it had, for me and my subjective opinion, didn't have the lightheartedness or did not, you know, some people say that about Goku or whatever, uh, didn't have this for my taste. Okay, point noted. Am I going to make an adjustment? Probably not, because I think I'm doing it this way. When I get 5 million people doing that, like, okay, look at the whole Peter Dinklage thing with, uh, with uh, um, Destiny. Everyone was all bent out of shape because his early voice acting, they said, sucked. And I actually heard it, and I was thinking, you know, I think Peter's a, a fantastic actor. And I'm like, what's up with this crappy voice acting? And then I remembered the article. Well, Peter may have, you know, he got an early script, or he had a different director, and it's a demo, and I'm playing the full version now, and I'm not having a real problem with it. So, you know, there's a lot of things that happen that you don't have to get so, oh, my God, you suck, destroy, you burn, you tear you down, you know, because you've offended me with your artistic sensibilities that are different than mine. Come on, man. <laughs> it's hard enough to be an artist and, and, and starve for a living and, and put your soul on the line and, and be emotionally naked at every turn without someone, you know, beating the shit out of you at every corner. And so, you know, there's this trend in Hollywood to try to ten, tear down famous people. Well, because you're rich and famous, I get to talk shitty to you. Or because you're rich and famous, I get to violate your privacy. Or because you're rich and famous, hey, guess what? I think you should be able to get rich and famous and have your artistic integrity and have some privacy and too bad. And for some reason, society has this desire to tear down people who have any degree of success because they're so high and mighty. Well, you know... <laughs> It reminds me of that William Shatner song uh, from his record, um, which I happen to love that he did with Ben Folds, where he's like, uh, it's like uh, has been. That song has been and will again. He's like, Nintendo is their game. He's basically talking about armchair complainers who don't do anything with their lives, who bitch about his work all the time. And he's he's out there still working and making comebacks and and doing this, that or the other. Uh, It's a very, very funny song that kind of pokes fun at those people who just, you know, lambast me and Kyle and other actors all day. And, well, uh, you know, you're both, you're both well-known voice talent. You both have a tremendous following in the, the anime community and you both attend a lot of conventions. Now I would assume, and, and both of you, please correct me if I'm wrong. You don't hear a lot of the negative feedback at the conventions because you have a face and potentially a name to put behind that comment. I'm assuming the majority of what you get is through that filter of anonymity on the internet. And how do you differentiate the two? Uh, be more specific, like differentiate, like how do we deal with that? Yeah. How do you deal with that? Would you be more accepting of somebody saying it to your face, giving you some, some harsh criticism about your voice acting as opposed to, well, I have had the experience of someone going, I got a question and I, I mean, I'm not sure if I should ask it. And I almost always say, well, then you probably shouldn't. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, I almost always say, I'm like, if you're thinking you probably shouldn't ask the question, then you probably shouldn't <laughs> open know? that messy can of worms. Yeah. I very rarely run into negativity in person, but I mean, I, I remember one particular convention, a guy just comes up and just says, Gohan sucks. He's looking straight in my eyes and I go, I, I got paid for it. And he just, <laughs> he just went, went away with his tail tucked between his legs. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a weird thing. And, and it's like that thing we were talking about the vitriol online. Like I, that's why I said pizza, what I don't know what the quote I said, but let's go. I guess what I'm saying is, is like just because my job puts me in the public forum and is a form of entertainment you consume, it doesn't mean that I don't get to go to where you deliver pizza or make pizza or, or maybe you're a lawyer and I get to go. What am I going to go? Go read your brief and say, hey, this is all boilerplate. You know, where, where's the last? Go back to law school. I, you know, there's so many holes in this brief. Like, like I'm going to go fucking do that. Like, you know, like. Or I'm going to go to a doctor and like, say, say, I've got, I know a couple of fans of mine who are doctors. Like I'm going to go into this, you know, say, Hey, you make that cut right in surgery. Like, you know, like really shut the fuck up. Like I, I I'm not, if you're going to make it an equal playing field, then, you know, please let me show up at your place of employment and give you harsh criticism. And maybe you'll see it a little differently because we're already, um, I love, I mean, you, you guys know I'm a huge rush fan and I'm reminded of the song, the mission and the quote spirits fly on dangerous missions. There's some dangerous shit we're doing with our lives in, in terms of psychologically. Now, it's not dangerous like any military thing. I'm not going to be like whoever that famous person was that compared it to that. It's nothing like that. And cops and, and military people and people who actually put their lives on the line every day, I'm not saying it's anything like that. That is not the case. So I, I have tremendous respect for anybody who puts their life in danger every day for people they don't know. Um, 
I don't do that. I stand in a very comfortable booth and at most damage my vocal cords and get emotionally annoyed. That being said, once we leave the realm of, of uh, uh, physical harm and go into you know, your own psyche and, and how our society is not even geared up to encourage someone to do a career such as mine and Kyle's, what's going to be your fallback career? What are you going to fall back on? What are you going to do with this? You know what I said when I was a young hornist and I wanted to, uh, I wanted to fall back on something? People gave me that shit. I would say, what are you, you going to fall back on? I'd say death. I was like very serious about it because to me, life's not worth living unless you're doing what you really love. And I watched my grandfather come home from a factory at John Deere for years, miserable, broken, and he died relatively young uh, because of a hard life he had to live uh, that gave me the life that I can live today. So I'm particularly grateful for people who've had to do that. But my argument is you, in this country, and especially this country, no one should have to do that. And so if I'm going to go do that and go make the emotional risk, I'll be goddamned if Joe Blow B is going to go, you suck, Goku. You suck, Sean. You're shitty at voice acting. Now, if he says, you know what? I just feel like the scream wasn't really happening for me. It didn't really grab me. Okay, that's cool. You know, it doesn't, doesn't grab me. I, you know, I, I get it. But just to, to psychologically pummel us under the guise of anonymity is not only cowardly, um, and, you know, I dare you to say it to my face. And then if you do say it to my face, I'm going to make you give me an explanation by virtue of asking you questions as to why you didn't like it. And we'll have an intellectual, artistic discussion about what sucks about it. Because I'm open to that. It doesn't mean I'm going to change anything, but I'm open to it. Just this other shit, is just, it's just not cool, you know? So and I'm, I, I, I'm sure there's been cases, Sean, where you, I, other actors are in the booth and we record something. We think that's the take. That's the golden one. And then they end up using one that's either more subtle or more over the top. And you're like, ah, okay, but that's oh, not yeah. our call. That's not our oh, call. And, oh, and not only that, Kyle, then you're going to get some fan. And this is where I can validate fan opinion, which I do quite frequently. You're going to get some fans like, remember that scene where you did that take that I don't know that you didn't like, that you didn't like? That's my favorite work you've ever done. It made me feel this way. Hey, man. That's great. I can't say because I think it sucks, therefore it sucks, and you can't like it. Like, you know, it, it, like there's a lot of work I did in the original Z that I, I do not like because I was a young voice actor. I was trying to emulate the previous cast. I hadn't really owned Goku yet. The script was not strong. The direction wasn't strong. But people just, you know, they're saying it's their favorite moment or their favorite scene. I'm not going to say, oh, I'm not going to sign that autograph or I'm not going to say thank you. Uh, or whatever. I'm going to say thank you. Hey, man. I mean, I've been honest a few times. It's not my favorite scene, but more power to you. But typically, I try not to rain on their parade because that's their moment. You know, it's fine. You enjoy it. Hell yeah. You know, that's that's cool with me. You know, I I I I, I have my own opinions on a lot of things. It doesn't mean I'm right. <laughs> that's other opinions. You know. Yeah, so yeah. we, we we've had that rare thing when we re-record Dragon Ball Z Kai. We get to revisit those characters with all these years of experience under our belt now. Yeah. This this never happens. And no, people who say, "Oh, I, I prefer the original. I don't like Kai." It's like, well, that's fine. But from an acting standpoint, Kai is actually a little more satisfactory because we actually get to go back and I think bring a better performance. To everyone, oh, yeah, everyone's oh, yeah. game. We get to bring up. a better performance, and uh, we get to um uh. We get to do the script in the way it's originally intended. I mean, I've had the experience of like going, oh, so this is why Dragon Ball Z is so popular. Because when, when we were recording the first time, I, I, I could tell it was a good show, but I couldn't understand why it was so popular. And now with Kai, um, when you get the real deeper meaning, especially in the Goku-Vegeta relationship, you really understand some of the deeper meanings of the show. Then it's like, oh, now – because I hadn't watched it in Japanese. So it's like, oh, now I get it. Now I see why there's this hook here. And if you pay attention, there's some deeper uh, archetype uh, the uh, themes and, and deeper uh, hero themes and myth themes that are, are much more clearly uh, laid out in Kai that are washed out uh, in Original Z. And, and I'm not saying Original Z is a bad show because it clearly had a following. And, and I, even, I enjoy a good chunk of it in a lot of ways. I love the driving episode. I love, I love some of the filler stuff quite a bit. But when I'm doing Kai, it's like, oh, wow, I actually feel good in my skin. I feel good about my choices. I, I feel good about everything. I, mean, I just recorded some Kai a couple weeks ago, and I had a scene with you, Kyle. Mm -hmm. And I just want you to know, um, in the scene, I made a different acting choice. I don't think this is a spoiler alert because everybody's seen the show. But um, I actually uh, – it's a scene where um, uh, uh, Teen Gohan is, and Goku have to say goodbye, and it's the last time they're going to see each other. And uh, – uh, uh, Gohan's uh, hidden power has already been unlocked, has finally been unlocked, 
And Goku's like, hey, you know, it's probably the last time I see you. And then they're hugging and they're quiet. And Goku's apologizing to Gohan for he's basically saying in this moment, I'm sorry I wasn't there for you your whole life. I'm sorry that, you know, he's it's a moment where they're saying goodbye forever and potentially. And, you know, that wasn't in Z in as in powerful a way. And in that moment, uh, he's hugging uh, Gohan and he's like, okay, time for you to go. And I actually, I was choking up and there's some tears in my voice and it's on the track. And, and Raleigh and I listened to it and we're like, do we want to make this choice here? Or is Goku going to be the strong, you know, silent father? Or are we going to go with a little emotion here? And I said, let's do it. It fits. It works right. I like it because Goku doesn't show those emotions a lot. He doesn't. He's very happy or angry. I mean, let's add some, let's add a little, let's add some layers to Goku in this moment and, and show he really gives a shit and actually is really remorseful about having to go you know, be an absentee father for most of Gohan's life. And uh, it, it, it came across fantastically, and I can't wait for uh, everyone to hear it, you know. So that was a really powerful scene between you and I, and Kyle and I weren't even in the same room. So <laughs> wink, wink, everybody. Watch it on Toonami Uncut. <laughs> yes. Is, is Toonami Uncut? It is. Oh, excellent. Excellent. <laughs> excellent. I, I don't believe in cen- censorship. It's just annoying to me. But um, but anyway, the other thing we were going to talk about, which I wanted to hit on, is there was also this fan thing about trying to get some actor, and I'm not going to name names here, but basically some actors on a show – and they were saying that, you know, he shouldn't be on the show because he's against gays or whatever. And, you know, and I, my old take on that was, you know, I have two feelings about it. On the one hand, I can see the fan's point. But on the other hand, it's like, you know, we're actors. We, we I get, okay, here's my point. I'm going to make a larger point here. Here's my point about, about, you know, people, and I had this discussion with Michael Sinter Nichols once, and he made a really interesting point about this. There's this whole movement around boycott this guy because he doesn't believe in this thing, or don't go to Chick-fil-A because they don't support gays, or yada, yada, yada. And I get that, okay? Here's the problem I have with that kind of thinking. First of all, people of America, there are a bunch of artists that you like and worship on a daily basis, whether they're musicians, painters, rock bands, or whatever, who are assholes. And you just don't know they're assholes, or they're homophobic, or they beat their wife, or they, they're pedophiles, or something. And you still, you know, and if you, do you know if your plumber is having an affair and you don't believe in affairs? So if your plumber has an affair, you're not going to hire that plumber anymore? You know, my point is, is that you know, you, you can't dig into everybody's background and then make your artistic choices based on that. Now, the defining differences, and this is the point Michael made, when you use your fame to agendize something that is not cool, such as inequality for people, such as racism, such as homophobia, such as things that make humans unequal, yeah, then if you want to boycott Joe Blow Rockstar because he's singing on the road, I hate gay people or I hate black people, and he's doing that and promoting, using his fame and using his power as a famous person to promote an agenda that you would find disagreeable publicly, that's one thing. But to find out one of your favorite actors is gay and you've loved him for 20 years and you don't like gay people and then stop watching his shows because that is just ridiculous to me. Um you know, because I, I met I met a friend of a friend who found out uh, some actor. I'm not going to name the actor because I don't know if they're out whatever was gay. And I said, yeah, I know that actor's gay. And they're like, they're like, oh really? Oh, I'm so disappointed. I'm like, what difference does it make? He he has a job to play this character. What his what his life personal choices are? Really, if, if that's the only way you can feel power in affecting change in the world, then I suggest you go to a rally or go vote or go get in politics or join a military or do something where you're actually making change instead of just bitching about something without doing anything about it. So I hope and hope none of those words get construed. And I know I talk a, a, a jillion paragraphs in, in one thing, Kyle and, and Steve. I'm sorry. But you see my point? My point is, is that if you're using your fame to agendize something, and you don't want to follow that person because of that. But if they just happen to be that way or happen to do that, you know, that's another thing. Now, I don't agree that, that people should be, that any public place of employment should be allowed to discriminate based on a lot of things, including drug use. But that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's my own free, free, free will, you know, free will talking. But, you know, like I, I know a lot of my fans are, have a different religious beliefs than I do. And, and, and uh, if a lot of people knew what I really thought about things. Like, you know, I, I'm extremely liberal and I, I, I believe in equality for all. I mean, there's some people who don't and they don't want to watch Dragon Ball because I'm, I believe in equality for all and I support gay marriage and I support any, you know, 
anything that makes us more equal in terms of the eyes of the law and, and, and each other, um, I support that. So I guess if you don't support that, you can't watch Dragon Ball Z anymore. <laughs> you know, I mean, you see my point? Like, I, like, come on. And not to mention the, the forgiveness factor. People grow up with intergenerational trauma and, you know, like my grandparents grew up in a in a generation where where racial slurs and saying things like that were more commonly accepted and i i heard that stuff growing up and it made me cringe but they weren't bad people they grew up around some other racists before them and those guys grew up around slave owners so <laughs> you know you have this intergenerational trauma that that people get like you know your career should be over if you use the n word or your 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 life should be over you you everyone has to go away you're just bad 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 yeah what you're doing is you're projecting your own shame about your own racial feelings onto them especially when they're apologetic and not giving them a chance to grow or change i.e. Paula Dean, i.e. even Michael Vick, who had his chance, I don't know if he's an asshole anymore, but if he's really turned over a new leaf and he's helping dogs and we've changed this guy who's done this horrible thing with animals into and given him an opportunity, so your person, so, so if I find, if somebody finds out I robbed a bank, which I didn't, or found out that I, I don't know, I got divorced or whatever, and they don't believe in that, should I lose my whole career over that? I mean, I guess I'm, I'm covering a, a broad swath here, but there's a lot of things that bother me about how we're perceived as artists that should have nothing to do with us making art. You see what I'm saying? And that's so the, my, you know? my follow-up there is, as a public figure, yeah. do you feel that you have to kind of hold your tongue about what your personal beliefs are because you don't want that getting out there to the fan base or you don't want that getting out there to potential casting directors? Yeah, well, yeah, th- and this is a problem. This is this is a thing, and Kyle, I have not let you talk yet. Do you want to comment first before I go? <laughs> no, no. All I can say is it, it made me remember on the Academy Awards when when movie stars started talking about you know uh, save the whales or you know, some political agenda, and and a lot of people's reaction was like, "Would well, shut up about that shit, okay? Just take your acceptance speech. I want to see you act. That's why I pay attention to you. I think you're a very talented actor or actress. I don't want to hear what your beliefs are. It's great that you're passionate about them, uh, but I." I don't think, you know, taking the uh, Academy Award microphone and using that as a platform to suddenly, hey, you guys should do this because you watch my movie. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah that, that's I think that's selfish. And, uh, you know, I don't understand why why actors, you know, and I, I, I OK, for example, I, I was asked to join the and I'll, I'll be honest about this. I was asked to do some part of the, the anti-bullying campaign. It gets better. And I refuse to join it because I hate the slogan. It doesn't get better sometimes. Sometimes people continue to bully you. And it's just like the say no to drugs campaign, which I thought was completely stupid. Um, no, I'm not. That's that's not helpful. Now, I, I want to help with awareness of bullying and I want to do that, but I'm not going to sit there and say a phrase that I don't think is true because sometimes it doesn't get better. So if we just see some positive, you'd be okay. I'm like, look, I want to get behind something that really works and really, you know, I, I can make a difference on and, and, and it really matters. And I'm a very, very, I consider, you know, no pun intended. I consider Kyle and myself and I don't want to lump Kyle in there because maybe he doesn't see himself this way, but you know, you have your A listers. Well, we're like Z list actors. We're very not much so a, very much. You know, so. We're not like a B or C list actors or D. We're like Z list actors. Bottom of the barrel, man. Bottom of the barrel. That doesn't mean we're uh, now, and Kyle might agree with me. I don't think that my acting ability is Z list, and I don't think that my voice acting ability is. In fact, I can think of several A listers I think I voice act better than. (laughs) I honestly do. Um, uh, And I can think of several A list voice actors who I think are stellar voice actors who are probably better than me um, in terms of the artistic ability to voice act. But um, as far as the, uh, Steve's question is concerned, yeah, I got a huge problem with that. And I got a huge problem with the way – and I've talked to my agent about this, and it's, it's very frustrating. Like, for example, I hate having a Twitter feed. I hate it. I have a Twitter feed, and I have, uh, what, 11,000, 13,000 followers. And before you Twitter feeds stop following me, I love the fact that you all follow me, and I think it's very, very sweet, and I appreciate it tremendously. I don't – I have heard from other casting directors and from other colleagues in the industry that sometimes you'll go to an audition and they're like – you know, okay, well, it's down to, it's down to Kyle and Sean and Kyle's got 30,000 Twitter followers and Sean doesn't have a Twitter feed. Okay. We're going to go with Kyle. That's bullshit. That means you can't make an artistic decision about who's the better actor. And you don't trust that Kyle's voice acting or my voice acting is strong enough to make the character compelling enough to where you're going to draw in with the writing and your property and your project enough to bring enough people in to make it worth your while financially. And it's irritating because then you're relying on, you know, viral marketing, which doesn't really have any real any intrinsic value, Kardashians, anyone versus real artistic marketing 
um, uh, you know, where if something is so good and so compelling that it just it gets all over the web because it's awesome, i.e. Breaking Bad. So my whole p- thing as an artist is I wish it was about the art. I wish it was about my skill set. I wish it was about uh, that. And as far as the uh, uh, saying, th- oh, Steve was asking about saying things. You know, I'm a, I'm a loudmouth, and I was a loudmouth for a lot of years because my whole point was, hey, man, if I'm good, you don't, who gives a shit? I wanted to test my ability because I wasn't sure I believed I was good. So now it's about now I do have to watch what I say. Now I, I moved to L.A. and everybody talks and I wish they didn't fucking talk. I wish it didn't matter. It's annoying to me that I have to worry about I call it navigating egos. I have to navigate egos just to get a job. I mean, that's fucking annoying that everybody's so goddamn hypersensitive that they can't go, yeah, Sean was a little annoying, but God, he knocked it out of the park. And as long as he's not too annoying, you know, fuck it. You know, because I'm working on it. I'm not trying to be annoying. Kyle's not. Kyle's never annoying. But, you know, it's <laughs> Kyle's mastered the art of PC. Um, I'm I mean, Switzerland, man. What's that? I'm Switzerland. You're totally Switzerland. And I, and I respect that. And, and uh, I got another friend who's like you. He's not a voice actor. And I, I call him diplomatic. And I said, you know, one of these days I want you to just really – let, let me hear what you really think about this this other musician and that other musician. He won't ever do it. Um, so, you know, it's it's frustrating because I want it to be about my skill set. Now, look, I also agree that you have to have a certain decor. And I'm not saying I should be able to walk into any audition and be an asshole or rude or obnoxious. I love to use Kathleen Battle as an example. For those of you who don't know Kathleen Battle, Kathleen Battle is probably one of the greatest sopranos of all time. And I can tell you from having listened to her, she is an, an incredible soprano. But she's also, I think she's recovering now, but a notorious, horrible horrible diva so much so that she's been basically ostracized from the classical music community to the extent that she barely works anymore because she was so narcissistic and so awful and i'm not arguing that anybody should be allowed to be like christian bale was once or whatever how many times or however this asshole is on the set but i'm saying kyle and i probably agree where it's like you feel like if you like i walk away from auditions going oh my god did i talk too much did i say the wrong thing oh my god i shouldn't be worried about that unless i drop the f-bomb too much or say somebody looks fat or I don't know, uses, drops the N-word in some inappropriate, which I would never do, you know, <clears throat> like, unless I do something that's like really heinous, I don't want to have to worry about that shit. And I do. And I'm mad that I have to. It's I just want to go in, knock it out of the park if I am knocking it out of the park that day and um, <clears throat> um, come home and, you know, enjoy the rest of my day instead of worrying about who talked to who and who pissed off who. And I've already got several several situations well one situation in la there I, i'm afraid i piss them and i'm like jesus christ you know i it's just really really annoying and and oh the other thing is which just ties into what steve was saying um about role models and this one time somebody gave me shit about some of my parodies because i write r-rated sometimes x-rated parodies because i find it funny hey you're a role model man you should talk about your wiener a lot which i don't i mean there's a couple of parodies where i'm making a, a, a penile reference and you know and, and it's funny to me because I believe I look it's under the realm of comedy, so it's no different than what Lucy K is doing, except he's doing something that's a lot funnier. Um, <laughs> you know, but I'm saying once it's under the realm of comedy, it's performance art, and there are no fucking rules in performance art. People need to understand this as artists. There aren't any fucking rules at all. And I'm mad at Sony. We're gonna get to the Sony thing. I'm mad at Sony or Japan for going, oh, we gotta tone down the ending of the Seth Rogan movie because the North Koreans are mad. Fuck that. That's anti that's anti moving forward. That doesn't help the North Koreans and it doesn't help Sony and it doesn't help the artistic expression. And I, I bet you money that if the North Koreans got mocked enough, they might get a sense of humor and go, you know what? Maybe we're doing some shit wrong over here and it might affect change. And that's what art does. It helps us affect change. It helps us laugh at ourselves. It helps us look at ourselves. It helps us, it helps us grow as people. It's the original form of psychology before psychologists were invented, as the Greeks will let you know. So as far as role models are concerned, all that shit is. It's about control for me. So some kids like, oh, I like you, and you have a moral stance that I don't like. You write dirty parodies. You're a role model. So now you have to change your artistic ether. You have to change your artistic way of being because I said so. Well, now your hands are on my puppet strings for my art. And why the hell am I even doing this if I'm letting the average person get it? You come write my record for me. Come voice act for me. I guess my point is, is that I don't want to be a role model. I shouldn't be a role model. I should not be put up on a pedestal. I mean, if you want a role model like, you know, how I got into voice acting or role model my kind of weird way of doing things because you, you resonate with it, that's fine. But to say, now that you're a role model, you can't curse publicly anymore. Now that you're a role model, that's a load of shit. And it annoys me that people think that because you have any level of fame, that's somehow assigned to you. And I reject it wholeheartedly. And I'm mad that I should ever have to worry about 
that affecting my career in any way, shape, or form. But you know, but you know, I've seen a, a transition through social media and, and Twitter itself. You're seeing established voice actors like you know Rob Paulson, Tara Strong, all these all these guys and gals who've been doing this for thirty plus years and are very very well known and revered, and they work on on kid friendly projects all the time. But there's no filter. They'll they'll they'll, they'll just you know, F-bomb here and there, and, and they have, there's no repercussions. They still get cast on Disney and Nickelodeon and all that stuff, so maybe the walls are starting to come down. Well, I hope so. I mean, part of that could be because they're that good. Part of it could be because they're that established. Part of it could be because they have enough money and they don't give a shit. I mean, I don't know. I know Rob personally. Um, you know, he's never discussed this with me at all, and I love the man. He's great. Uh, and by the way, I, I want to tell you guys something cool that happened to me today. I, I, I can't really talk about the project. It was a very small project, but I met Tom Kinney today. Uh, the voice of SpongeBob, and uh, he was awesome. And I just, I, I know we're running out of time, and I wanted to throw that in there. I, I, I was at a VO studio, and I just bumped into him, and I got to tell him about how SpongeBob was the only thing my dad could watch when he was in the hospital from his heart attack over 10 years ago, and he almost died because it was the only thing that would soothe him, and everything else would make his heart beat too fast, and he had to shut off the TV. So I finally, after 10, 15 years or whatever, since my dad's heart attack, I was able to tell Tom how much that meant to my dad and, you know, what a big influence. Uh, and, and Tom was nothing but cool and gracious and as awesome as I expected. Uh, so that was, that was kind of a bucket list moment for me, and it was, cool. uh, it was very, very exciting. But anyway, I digress. I wanted to throw that in there. Um, yeah, Kyle, you're right. You know, it could be, uh, it could be a lot of things. You know, I, I remember I did a gig with Disney. Um, uh, Sam Regal directed me, and I had some, uh, you know, I was worried that I was on the map for Disney. And, and on my Twitter feed, I've got some R-rated pictures from uh, – uh, Animal Crossing that I, I've made the characters curse and say things that I find humorous and I, ta- I texted Sam I'm like do I need to worry about this like that's the kind of shit I had to worry about do I need to worry that I'm on of course you know you got Miley Cyrus who's Hannah Montana you know that's <laughs> right. that was a Disney show so I'm like do they are they that worried I mean maybe Disney's attitude is any publicity is good publicity you know I don't know right um, but I didn't want to ruffle any feathers, and I'm mad that I don't want to ruffle any feathers because I'm like, come on, people, are we a bunch of five year olds here? We can't. Our egos are so sensitive that we can't, you know, we can't take a joke. We can't. Uh, we we can't deal with someone else who has a different background or a different opinion, or you know, or maybe has a different sense of humor that may be a little bluer than we can handle. It's 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 extremely irritating to me because all Kyle and I want to do, uh, you know, as I, I'm speaking for Kyle here a little bit, but I think all we want to do is show up, audition, have nothing else be a factor other than the fact that we're performing. Right. And yeah. you know, get the job based on that. We're you know? either we're either what they have in mind or we're not, and then we go on to the next one, and then we get hired. And you know, yeah, if you, if we're sitting here worried half to death, you can go back to uh, the early '90s when when Disney cast Robin Williams. Robin Williams, up to that point, was known as a very blue stand-up comedian. True, very very X-rated. And I don't know at what marketing meeting did they sit there and say, "Let's get the most adult, popular stand-up comic and have him do a." a a lead voice in a kid's show. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. And maybe they don't care. And we're just being, we're just confused about Disney because we see Disney as wholesome, but they routinely over and over hired and, and been in bed with, so to speak, people who do things that are less than wholesome. <laughs> Sarah Silverman and Wreck-It yeah. Ralph. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, maybe we shouldn't worry about it, you know, <laughs> you know, but as far as the other question that we were talking about earlier that I want to address, cause I know we're in low on time, but uh, the other question was, uh, there's some actor they were trying to get petitioned to yeah. not be in the show. Right. And uh, I, I followed it briefly, and I'm like, what the hell is this? Why has everybody been out of shape about getting this actor off the show? So basically they're saying this actor is like, you know, they, they believe he's homophobic, and then he's gotten on a show where where he's uh, – it's a yaoi show, and, you know, he should be voted off. I, you know, I, I mean, I support the actor in this case. However, the only caveat is this. If you, you know, have a moral issue with some character – uh, that you're auditioning for, and you're going to take the paycheck, and you're going to play that role, and the character is known to be gay or whatever, and you play it, you know, as authentically as you can, and then you're going to go to a convention and not sign autographs on that character, that item. I personally think that's lame. In other words, you, you know, if you're going to take the check, and if you're going to, if you're going to, you know, suspend your moral view and say, look, this is just in the name of act. Look, I play bad guys as evil as I can because it highlights the goodness of the other characters. I don't try to – I hate it when directors are like, no, it's going to scare the kids. No, we should scare the kids. No, let's scare them because when the good guy shows up, it's going to be more awesome. It's the reason Han shot first because if he doesn't shoot first, then his redemption is less when he shows up to help Luke at the end. He's a scoundrel and a bad guy. It, it, it affects the whole craft and the whole art of – 
of what we're doing as storytellers when you, when you candy coat it like that because it, it also hurts the good guys too, and people are not looking at that. So the, my whole point with the, with the Yowie thing or the Yowie show, I think it's Yowie-based. I don't read Yowie. I, I don't even – I completely understand what it is. I know it's gay, but I don't you – know, and I don't do hentai because it freaks me out. But I, I, if people like hentai, you know, support. Go watch your favorite hentai and get your rocks off. I don't care. Um, but as far as like taking a role and then going out and making your living visit, doing a convention and then refusing to support that role because you morally disagree with a fictional character is pretty ridiculous to me. And I'm like, if you're going to take the role, you need to take, you need to <clears throat> take the check and you need, to, you need to show up at the convention and happily sign the autographs because the kids love you for that work for. Um, that would be my only caveat of that. As far as voting someone off because of that, I, I, you know, I can't agree with that. I really feel like if the casting directors feel like this person is right for the role and he's a solid actor. And, and I happen to know this actor is a good actor. Um, you know, that, I, 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 unless there's, unless there, unless I tell you what Funimation or any other company, unless that shows up as real numbers, like, Oh my God, we lost, you know, 20 million because of this petition or we lost, you know, it is a business. It is show business. And until it shows up in real numbers, uh, they're not gonna. They're not gonna respond to something like. That. At least I don't believe they would. And by the way, just for the record, I do not work for Funimation, and I can't speak for Funimation. I'm a freelance contract actor, and frequently on my Twitter feed, it is implied to me that somehow I have the higher ups' ears, and that I have influence, and I do not. <laughs> Kyle, I think you feel the same. Way. I have have frequently run into that in the convention scene where people think that it's like, hey, when, uh, when does this show on Cartoon Network? Like, I don't know. I don't work for Cartoon Network. Yeah, I don't have that information. I'm not privy to that. You know, they keep a lot of information safeguarded from the actors, and we usually sign non-disclosure agreements. And you know, yeah, maybe it is better that we're kept in the dark. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's better for everyone. I mean, people, I think, I think people, you know, I, I, I do convention appearances, and I and I like doing them. And I one of the things I've tried to walk a fine line between is creating a cult of personality versus. You're in demand because these characters you play and the acting you do is quite popular now. And I think there are other voice actors out there uh, who create a cult of personality where it's about the persona they create and the the love that they're sharing, which I don't find always genuine. So I try to be – and it's been reflected back to me that I try to be as down-to-earth and real as possible. I do that for two reasons. I don't think it's fair to deceive kids who come up to me. And at the same time, it certainly takes a whole lot of pressure off me. I'm not interested in creating some weird illusion of – who I am or, or some lie about it or, or whatever. That's the reason I curse. It's the reason I express my opinions because I'm like, look, I'm a flawed human being who working on myself all the time. I've done tons of therapy. I work on myself. I'm trying to do the best I can. If you don't want to watch Dragon Ball Z because you don't disagree with one of my opinions, I, don't, I can't give a shit. I can't worry about that. I think the work I did is solid. And by the way, Kyle, I, I feel like uh, uh, the Battle of Gods film, uh, I can't find anything wrong with it. I think it's the finest work we've all ever done. I can pick apart some Kai episodes, and I can pick apart some Z episodes, but I am just so beyond thrilled with how that turned out. Everybody, uh, you did a fantastic job. Everyone did a fantastic job. I, I, I'm not even picking on my own voice acting on that one, and uh, I'm just I'm 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 really really thrilled about that. I don't know. I'm I'm talking a mile a minute, digressing. No, that's but, uh, but Battle of Gods did uh, it, it. It stood the test of time. It, it's sending a, a message to Japan. And to Hollywood, too. When you got number five at the box office, when you got things like Guardians of the Galaxy and other things that are making, you know, quadruple that, of course. But but still, for a limited release anime property that's 20, 30 years old, people still selling out the screenings and they're having to add additional screenings. That That's pretty cool. Oh, absolutely. And that was only in like 500 theaters. Um, had they done a nationwide, like, serious release, I, I, I can't even imagine what the numbers would be because – Per cap or per whatever. Apparently, there's a name for that. I don't understand all this stuff, but there's a name for it. Uh, you know, two and a half million, five hundred theaters, or maybe less than five hundred theaters. That apparently is very, very good numbers. So yeah. I think that's. I think it speaks volumes about the power of Dragon Ball Z and the, the power of the story and Akira Toriyama's work. And you know, I'm glad that he's uh, coming out of retirement, as it were. I don't know that he was ever retired, but uh, coming out of retirement, as it were, to uh, to do this sort of thing. So I, I hope I didn't talk to you guys too much because I know I monopolized a lot of this, but I. I, I, That's kind of the point, Sean. Oh, okay, <laughs> That's why we had you on because it's like, what the hell are we talking about? I don't know. We can get Sean. He loves to talk. <laughs> I do, I do, and I, I really wanted. I know we only have a few minutes. At some point, uh, we can talk about. We can talk about. You know, I kind of want to dispel some illusions around 
what you need and gear and, and what you need in a voice as a voice actor and 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 the kind of I mean I use crazy ridiculous gear but you don't need that stuff to to record a good make a good recording and just the basics of of how to do that right and and maybe Kyle and I we never talked about this in our last interview but I mean, I wonder if Kyle one of the things that never gets discussed because I, I got asked recently to uh, to teach a voiceover class in the future I don't know when it's going to happen a friend of mine asked me if I teach it and I've never really thought I taught music for seven years and I know how to teach music. But I never really thought about how to teach voice acting. And I, at some point, Kyle, and then maybe the next episode, if we do this again, like talk about specifically, if you can put into words, because sometimes it's hard to put into words, what your internal machinations are when you're doing a given character. Like, you know, people say, how do you get into character? Well, that's a pretty broad thing. But there's, there's a specific set of things that aren't always the same that for me are very ethereal and emotional that I have to translate into my voice that is hard to articulate, you know, and I, I wonder at some point in the future, you know, we could talk about that. Well, yeah, I know for me, not coming from an acting background, it's hard for me to articulate words. You know, I used to do Skype uh, VO critiques and stuff. I could I could say I can't teach you how to be an actor, but I'll listen to you and I'll I'll, you know, direct you and all this stuff with some mock auditions and whatnot. And, right. But I never once tried to sell myself as I'm a VO coach and you should listen to me because I can teach you acting. Says God, nothing further from the truth. I can't. I can't put it into words. Uh, when people ask me, what's your methodology for for getting into the zone? It's like, I don't know. I just do. Well, I think- well, here's the thing, Kyle. I think, and I gotta go in a little bit, but I think, um, I think I could help you with that in the sense that, um, because I had to, uh, in terms of how to articulate that by asking you questions and by being a, being, since I'm not a newbie and I'm not a novice, I would maybe have questions to ask you that might hit the mark more in terms of getting you to articulate what that would be like for you, if that makes any sense. Um, and for every actor, it's different. Some people are totally visceral and some people are totally you know, method and some people are, you know, take cues from different things. And, you know, I don't ever watch acting interviews with, you know, uh, Brad Pitt or whatever when they how to act because that's how they act. It's almost never helpful to me. So that's why I'm always wondering, like, people teach voice acting? Like, is that even a thing you can do? Like, like I don't even understand, like, how to do that, but I've been trying to go through my head and getting ready to teach this class and going, well, how am I going to? Just think about it. You're basically saying, here's something that's a unique art form that you do, and you're a different human than me with a different set of emotions, and I'm going to give you these skill sets that I use. Here's my clothes. Put them on. Let's see if they fit. So I feel like the trick for teaching voice acting is to ask questions of your students and get in their heads and feel where they are emotionally, feel where they are personality-wise, and figure out what they respond to largely through trial and error, uh, which would make a voice acting collective class difficult to teach because it'd be different for every person. So you'd have to approach it in numerous different ways, either highly technically, highly emotionally, highly, you know what I mean? Um, And a lot of it's, you know, doing two things at once, like feeling a lot of emotion, but also being in your analytical mind to deal with timing and your volume levels and still having that emotion palpable enough to where it can affect your read inflecting wise, mixing that with a little technical aspect of using the emotional read, then at the right moment, hitting that word just a little harder, like the director asked on top of that, mixing that all together into by baking it and comes out of your mouth. Hopefully that's a good read. You see what I'm saying? Like there's so many there's so many layers and so many factors, which will, which is, will be next time on the Big Bald Broadcast. That's what it's called, right? The Big Bald Broadcast? <laughs> that, that is its name. That That's... is its name, the Big Bald Broadcast. Okay. I just wanted to make sure. I, I, uh, I got to run. Um, uh, but I, I know I'm sorry if I'm monopolizing. And I answer your question, Steve. I hope it's okay. Yeah, that was great. That was wonderful. Okay, good. And I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready to get flamed on my Twitter because I'm, I'm sure I said something to piss somebody off. Um, <laughs> That's what Twitter's for, man. Yeah. And I, well, the other reason I don't tweet a lot is I'm so loquacious, as you can see. I need way more than 160 characters um, to answer something. So I don't tweet a lot because it's just too damn curt. It's too short for me. I'm like, I need like, you know, I need about 5,000 characters for each tweet is what I need. It's okay. You can use Twit Longer, which creates a link to your long post. Oh, that's what I've heard about. I might have to do that. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I hope this was helpful, you guys. I hope you got uh, got some good stuff. Oh, yeah. 
And uh, I'm sorry I didn't let you talk more, Kyle. <laughs> no, no, dude. We got you because we knew that you'd have very, very strong opinions, <laughs> and uh, we, we'd fill the time, and we have. And honestly, if if you gotta go, you gotta go. And uh, thank you so much for for giving us this time and, and to to get into the head of Goku, mm. uh, a very interesting, funny. <laughs> um, guy and and it's it's great that we get to still work together and hang out and then of course thanks again for for coming on to this platform so we can expose even more people who may not even be familiar with the anime world and maybe they'll they'll check it out because they've heard such a an interesting personality today well yeah i appreciate that thank you and uh and you know next time we're gonna we're gonna dig into kyle's uh kyle's brain oh god oh god no no i think we need to dig into steve's brain yes steve's brain there we go we're gonna dig into steve's brain (laughs) <laughs> all right, guys. Well, thanks so much. And uh, let me know if you want to do this again. All right. All right. Thank all you right, thank so you much, Sean. All right. Take care. All righty. Okay. Well, did we learn a lot, Steve? I learned a lot. Sean's great. Thank you, Sean. <laughs> he made our job really easy. Almost too easy. I think Sean needs a show. <laughs> I knew. I knew as soon as we were even playing around with the idea of having him on. It's like, dude, he sounds like his own host. You know, he, he, he's got the personality, he's got the opinions, he, uh, he seems like he ought to be doing that. We didn't even get to the Sony thing, really. I mean, he talked to you about it a little bit, but... <laughs> Do we have any time left at all in the show? God, I guess. We have a few minutes if, if, if we get down to it. What did you want to say about it? I just really wanted to quickly throw out my two cents, because it's, it's something that kind of hits home with me with this Sony hack. Um you know, it's been out there in the press for the last couple of weeks. And a lot of the entertainment sites, a lot of the geek sites have got a ton of fodder from the information that's been exposed from the Sony hacks. Um, rumors and information about what's going on behind the scenes with the Spider-Man franchise. Um, how executives can speak very poorly about some of the talent that they utilize. And I know Angelina Jolie's name was thrown out in, in very negative context. Here's my issue. And, uh, Granted, you guys hear this show about a week after we record it, but it was in today's uh, New York Times. It was an op-ed by Aaron Sorkin, and I have to say I agree with him a thousand percent. So if you want to read uh, Mr. Sorkin's take on it, go to the New York Times website, um, Google it or whatever, December 14th, 2014. And uh, the, the what it really touches on is that the information that's out there, Sony's attorney sent out a very threatening letter to a bunch of sites today, uh, including the Wall Street Journal, Gawker, saying that stolen material, you don't have a right to distribute it, you don't have a right to discuss it, and we're actually encouraging you to destroy any of that uh, stolen material you may be in possession in. And a lot of uh, civil rights attorneys, a lot of uh, – uh, litigators are being very vocal and saying, well, we have free speech. We have the First Amendment and we can publish this. Does it matter if the information was obtained illegally? We have the right as American press to publish this information. And I know you probably aren't going to believe this, but uh, I'm going to say no. <laughs> no, you don't have the right to publish it because it's A, it's private information. A lot of this private information that was obtained with social security numbers of Sony employees and uh, some medical records, um, even including some Sony employees, children's wives, some of the, some of their medical information. First and foremost, none of that stuff belongs out there. It doesn't belong in the press. doesn't belong on websites or I have people discuss that on podcasts, but more importantly, this is Sony. It's not Enron. It's it. They're, they're not screwing over the public. They're not screwing over their, uh, they're stockholders. They're not conducting an illegal or illicit business. This isn't like Edward Snowden releasing information about the NSA about how that's basically screwing over the entire American population. This is a business conducting business. And, uh, it, it, I think it hurts Sony's name. It hurts Sony's value to have this personal information out there. People shouldn't have, uh, Sony's information about the slate uh, of what's coming out, what they're planning on coming out in the next 10 years, and they kind of keep it under key, trying to find directors and the right cast for, for, uh, certain movies or whatever. Um, 
I'm, I'm very passionate about that. Uh, as a lot of our listeners know, I've been a thorn in our government side for almost two decades now, requesting information that I feel is vital to the public and to get that information to the public, uh, at some case, uh, with some cost, you know, I, I, I've done some damage to my reputation, unfortunately, mm-hmm. uh, trying to get this information out there. That's the stuff that's important. The stuff that the government's withholding that, I, that the, the public should be aware of. Absolutely. That's the stuff that, that the media should be talking about. This isn't that. This isn't the uh, uh, the Pentagon Papers, you know? I don't feel that the public has a right to any of this, I guess is what I'm saying. And anybody who's trying to argue that they do, I think they have their head screwed on backwards because nothing's detrimental. There's no threat to the American public because of what Sony's doing. So, you know, I, I wish people would back off of Sony, stop reporting on this information, stop publishing this uh, personal and private information from this private business because it, it doesn't serve a greater good in the eye of the public except for just fodder for, for gossip and rumors it's kind of become like all of these bloggers and media sites journal journalists and, and whatnot have become tmz essentially it's like what lascivious juicy gossip can we get out there and provide all this clickbait and yeah yeah where, where, where's the integrity you know, where did it go? It's like, well, it doesn't matter. Look how many hits we got because we, we reported that Jennifer Lawrence is undervalued in this email. Or, or well, yeah. that's, that's the thing. You have you have an email from one executive to another that they assume is, is private, but it's also in the course of business and, and they're talking and making these business decisions. How would some of these journalists feel if, if their private information, their, their private emails or texts was made public? You could make the same argument, you know, saying, well, it's the same thing as, as what Sony's revealing. It, 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 there is no uh, higher cause or greater good, except it's salacious. So if these journalists want to justify it by using that, then, you know, God forbid you ever get hacked and other journalists obtain this quote unquote illegal information and then use the same justification to say, well, it doesn't matter how I obtained it. Now I can publish it. So I, I don't know. I'd like to see some text messages and private emails from some of these people from Gawker and, and, uh, well, the Wall Street Journal and whatever and see if maybe their tune will change a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I really wonder where it's going to go. Cause yeah, there's a lot of egg on face at the moment and you kind of feel sorry <laughs> for, for, for Sony. I mean, obviously no one wants this stuff to get out, nor should it get out, but you have a bunch of hacker douchebag assholes who, who just make it their, their lot in life to, to break into people's systems, uh, and, and, and become a thorn in everyone's side. It's like, Oh, we're going to make you reset your password and change your credit card numbers and your social security numbers and this, that, and the other. Why? Because we can ha 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 ha. You know, Sean brought up a good point. Um, Sony shouldn't change the ending of the film because of the topic it deals with. Yes, it deals with the assassinating a foreign leader. Do I think it was wise for Sony to make a film that has to do with a plot of assassinating a foreign leader? No. You know, what, what a lot of uh, other people do, let's take Iron Man, the first Iron Man, for example. It's fictionalized. Nobody comes out and says this is Al-Qaeda or this is ISIS. It just happens to be a, a Middle Eastern terrorist organization. Nobody's using specific names or, or specific locations. Sony could have very well done the same thing about talking about a dictator somewhere in the world and and an and assassination attempt. Although it's being done comedically, I don't think it's fair to call out a country and a leader by name. How would the U.S. feel if Korea was making a movie where they were talking about the assassination of President Obama? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and how ironic would that be that the nation goes to DEFCON 1 over a movie? <laughs> but, you know, having said that, I, I, I agree with Sean said, you know, keep – Keep your your uh, brain farting here, but you keep your integrity. You know, if this is the vision you had, then put the, the film out the way you envisioned it. Yes. Don't 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 cater. Don't bend to the will of other people because ooh now now there's a problem. Stick to your integrity. Put it out there. But at the same time, you also have to keep in mind part of these Sony leaks is understanding that these executives are receiving death threats, whether or not they're valid. We don't know, but there are a group of people who feel very passionate about this film and and that it shouldn't be uh, released and distributed. And these people are getting real uh, death threats. So I kind of think that the press kind of makes light of it 
to continue dumping all this information. And it's kind of uh, reminiscent of the, of the Snowden release where everything isn't out yet. Everything's being, you know, very slowly and, and methodically released. And within the coming weeks, we're going to get a hell of a lot more information. I hope people can just, you know, take that breath, calm down about the whole thing. Uh, and of course, being the internet, you know, give it a, a couple of days more and it might die off. But uh, I don't think it's fair for Sony to be in this position. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like you just said, just give it a minute blink and we'll all be all over something else. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's like the shelf life of a, of an animated GIF or a meme. It, it, it seems like it, it becomes the biggest thing in the world. It's the most important life altering thing today. What's it going to be next week? Oh, there's the star Wars rumors, you know, <laughs> And the, and the other thing, to the, the last point I want to make on this particular topic is that when you start bending to wills, you set a precedent. And once you set that precedent, it's just going to encourage other factions, other organizations to do the same thing and keep playing the same game. Oh, well, Warner Brothers has a movie coming out. Are they going to address this topic? And I don't want them to address that topic. So maybe, you know, I should politicize it and, and get some government dollars behind me and hire some hackers and, and destroy this uh, motion picture company because I have a problem with that film they want to make. Yeah, that's that's yeah, pretty scary. Well, cool. Uh, we are at the end of the hour. Uh, another awesome episode of the Big Ball Broadcast. I want to give special thanks to our guest, Sean Schimmel, the voice of Goku from Dragon Ball Z and and other things. But that's what he's most known for. Um, and uh, Steve, thanks for, for, for brainstorming some awesome questions to throw his way. I, I had a lot of fun this time. Uh, of course, I always do. You, you freak out going, oh, what the hell are we going to talk about? And then we talk about it, and then we could probably still keep going. But um, we're thankful for you guys. Make sure and listen to the end credits so you can follow us on Twitter. Get you, get us your feedback as, as soon as you can so we can juggle around new ideas for future shows. We're going to have more guests uh, as, as the new year approaches and, and, and moves forward. And of course, we're going to continue bringing you all the geeky news you can use with our own little unique spin and, and whatnot. So, um, thanks for tuning in. So until next time, this is Kyle Abair. And this is Other World Steve. See ya. Special thanks to Will Wilkins and Jason Peer. Music heard in this podcast provided by Perimeter of the Void. Follow the Big Ball Broadcast on Twitter at BB Broadcast and email the Big Ball Broadcast at gmail.com. This has been a production of Smodco Internet Radio. Sir. Only at Smodcast.com.